0: Maybe I just missed something. So I went back and I was looking at recordings, like, no, no, this is being said in various ways.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: in my reach back out, it is thoughtfully as I could, we, we were not able to reach a point of understanding. That was my first time with an agency where we both decided to part ways. Welcome to another episode of the Living Out Loud discussion series where we are unpacking real life scenarios and issues in our interactions and professional settings, or in those places where we feel like we need to be buttoned up. And that means we are talking about the things that typically go unsaid. The goal of every episode is to reveal the layers and the nuances in our interactions so that we can learn about them as a community that cares about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I am your host, Charmaine Utz, relational DEI expert, And today we're talking about flowing with feedback when you are leading DI efforts. I wanna be clear that the things that I say in this discussion series and all of the episodes, they are my own opinions and not as a representative of any of the agencies by which I'm employed or contracted with. This topic is not just applicable to people who are in DEI roles. It matters if you are even experiencing different DEI efforts. So, in any way, shape, or form, if you are connected to DEI, even if you are receiving a service, then this episode is for you. Now, my guest for today is Bola Ruff. Bola, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Yeah, so Bola, is. she's been one of my friends for several years, like several years, in many different capacities. What I'm going to do first is formally introduce you and then chime in with the ways that you and I are connected, and then we will get started into the discussion. As a British-born Nigerian woman raised in the U.S., Bola resonates with how the dimensions of gender, race, and culture can impact family, work, and navigating every life issues. She's a former military spouse, a wife, a sister, a daughter, and an aunt. She completed her Master of Marriage and Family Therapy Counseling at Capella University and currently works as a clinical preceptor and therapist for ThriveWorks. In her spare time, Bola loves to travel, take walks, and enjoys her family and friends. Now, what's really interesting is that when I asked Bola to submit her bio, I was like, "Mm, there's a lot of stuff missing, in particular, the things that she and I have done together. Yeah. And I was like, you have done a lot of things. You have been involved in the most painful, difficult, challenging moments of my personal, professional career. You have been like my confidant, my strategic partner, someone who was helping me build my business from the ground up. You've been my clinical consultant expert. You've been a consultant with living unapologetically and an administrator. And I was like, hey, where's where's that (laughs) at? We
1: just had to talk about that. I was going to say, so I tried to keep it short and sweet because if you give me the space and the time, I will write a whole narrative. So I try to keep it present and short. And I figured that a lot of my background and kind of the ways that we intersect and we've done this work would come out in this conversation. So I wasn't too worried about it.
0: All right. That makes sense. Well, so maybe I also felt left out. I was like, oh, no, because has been doing a <laughs> lot of stuff and it is not up in here. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining again. Uh, yeah. So today's topic, again, flow follow feedback when you are leading DI efforts. Uh, the first thing I wanted to actually talk about is something that I feel like I could talk about with anyone who really gets the work. And it is this constant state of hearing feedback. It's like the essence of leading these types of efforts.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: I just wanted to be clear with our audience. Like when we say feedback from this lens, what are we really talking about? And so let's just start there so we can all be on the same page.
1: Okay. That sounds like a great place to start. yeah, this work for anyone who hasn't been in it and for everyone who has they could probably relate. this work is beyond personal because it does talk all it speaks a lot to who we are as people and what we value. and so oftentimes when we are getting into these topics and discussing these things, feedback, being able to hear The feedback that people are giving, whether it be on our, how we are delivering and engaging in the work or how they are experiencing it and their DEI issues, it's really important to be open and present to that information. One, because it's going to be helpful to be able to navigate these conversations with the people that you're engaging with. And then two, because it's important in your own personal growth journey and being able to hear how people are experiencing you and the things that you are saying and to be able to unpack what's yours to unpack and then yeah. push back slash give back of what's not yours and what's theirs to unpack, yeah
0: Yes, that all makes so much sense to me. I uh, often tell people, this job is just like, I'm just constantly hearing (laughs) the stuff that needs to be fixed. It's often like the purpose. At least that's the purpose at first for a very long time. But even if uh, agencies get to a place where things are going really well, you still have to have these mechanisms to be hearing Mm -hmm. feedback. And you're right. It's what's happening in an org, but then you also end up hearing feedback about you, how you're doing things and ways that you can make changes. And it's, it feels pretty constant and it's a thing. It's totally
1: a thing. It is a real thing. And I think it's important to highlight what you said in that this process is not linear and it doesn't have a start and a stop. I think Mm -hmm. People come into this work thinking, okay, I'm going to do this one thing, or I'm going to teach this one concept and it's done and it's not. It's very cyclical. It's very feedback loop loop that continues to move you in a direction that hopefully embodies growth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is one of those things where it's, you kind of have to build the muscle for it Mm because it doesn't really go away and, and the need does stay. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about, like, why this discussion is applicable to people beyond those in the role. I'm hoping people in this role, this can at least be validating, but also what are the ways that you can build that muscle or get the support that you need? Like, how do you navigate this inevitable place? But if you're not someone that's leading the work, when I say leading the work, that could mean... Maybe someone who's hired in a DEI position. Mm -hmm. That could mean leaders in organizations. It can mean maybe faculty or staff in higher education. It can mean DEI committees or task forces. Mm -hmm. There are different people moving the work forward. These types of experiences that we're talking about Mm -hmm. are felt by anybody leading the work.
1: Yeah. Yes. Anybody, and I think that, I stand in a place where I really fully understand that because as you had mentioned in my bio, my work with an advocacy and diversity and inclusion has extended as far back as middle school and high school for me. Mm -hmm. And you're right. You never know the type, the people engaging with the work and like the positions that they find themselves in. I know that it is very on trend right now for agencies to have DEI councils and committees. I am actually DEI uh, committee at DriveWorks. It was just started. Um, I'm super excited to be engaged in that work. And our committee, the people involved and engaged, span all types of walks of life, experiences, um, and are doing this strictly volunteer basis, not being paid because the work means so much to them. But yeah, you're right. It spans.
0: Congrats on the new work that's starting. I I am sure that you have a lot of experience to contribute to that particular journey. Now let's get into I want to just hone in because the feedback could be like a really big thing. Yeah. But the feedback that I'm really curious about is this inevitable place that organizations or groups or councils or departments, that there's this inevitable place that people leading the work can reach. There is this inevitable place where there's a lot of great work being done, but then there appears to be this time where it starts to be really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. And those leading the work hear a lot of feedback about how they are approaching the work or stewarding the work. It tends Mm -hmm. to be less about this is what our organization or department or group wants to do and homes in on those leading the efforts. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that because it's just fascinating to me how it it happens like over and over again. It's something that I have to talk upfront about with the people that we work with and consult with. Like this is gonna be a thing. So let's talk about it now and a couple will address it. But let's just stand up shop here and talk about that. What that's. And I know you've experienced that with me on a few occasions. Yeah. So yeah. What do you think?
1: I think that ties back into what I was speaking about earlier, where this work is so personal. And sometimes that lends itself to us using personal experiences to describe the work or engaging on a personal level about experiences we've had that pertain to the topic. And then sometimes, this is just my personal opinion, it doesn't come from anywhere scientific or (laughs) written down. Um, I think the way that people are able to digest the information related to DEI is finding examples of it in real life and in real time. And unfortunately, when it comes to being in organizations that have a lot of characteristics that are counter to, to inclusivity and diversity, people start to pick up on where they see the absence of the DEI work that we are discussing. And mm-hmm. yeah, in an effort to connect and understand, they start to see where it isn't. And they start to see where people are missing Um, the mark in being inclusive and promoting diversity, and it turns personal, sometimes unknowingly.
0: Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense (laughs) because I find myself in that situation a lot. It's like incredibly challenging because when you're talking about people notice the absence of things, that really did something to me because that is what happens it's not the only thing that happens, but it's one of the things that happens when people are scrambling. They don't like the feeling, or maybe there's not this progress, or they're even getting other feedback around like how it's not working. People start to look maybe outwards. What are other people doing? And I read this article, and we're not doing... There's an absence that's highlighted, mm-hmm. and then honing in on those leading. Why aren't you, or if you would have done, or we didn't like this feeling, so can, can you-, you then do... And... Sometimes it's yeah, I want to encourage this dialogue and encourage the challenge. But then can we stay here a little bit longer? Or is it just supposed to be like we share the feedback and we're supposed to just change how we do things right away? Mm. Do you remember, I remember a couple situations where I had to speak with you multiple times about it was one situation and we had to talk regularly because yeah. I was like, I can't,
1: is it me? Wait, can you help me? I want to entertain this. Is it me? Yes. Yeah. And I think the other part that you're bringing up and that you're touching on is people coming into this work sometimes don't. They haven't had the experience of sitting with discomfort mm-hmm. and or having difficult conversations. And so coming from a clinical lens and using clinical terms, When people are feeling vulnerable, they do things to distract and protect their emotional ego. And that can take the form of, sometimes it's playing the blame game. Sometimes it's pointing at other things. Sometimes it's like grasping at straws for solutions. So I think that coming at it from like a clinical place when people are on this journey and they, one, haven't had experiences like this before, or two don't have the coping mechanisms or the self-insight or have done any kind of personal work. They don't have the skills to manage the feelings that come up in this work and these conversations. And yeah.
0: I am so glad that you <laughs> brought that up. Because I I feel fortunate to be surrounded by clinical people. It is a lot of like my orientation and I do the work with clinical people. And I feel like when we say clinical in a DEI space, people just attribute it to therapy or work that doesn't necessarily fit in. And I'm like, no, y'all, I don't even know how to do this and lead this work without the clinical aspect. And the clinical aspect is really what you're talking about. It's not, hey, everybody needs therapy or you're responsible for being a therapist or as a manager, supervisor, responsible for being a therapist. That's not it at all. Mm -hmm. But there is this internal ability that we have or point of which we can only take so much. And if we don't have access to that depth or ability to really be in discomfort, the ability to be in challenging situations or to access Mm -hmm. the vulnerability to do it, then it does impact how far the work can go so i just i really appreciate you saying that i really want to do a whole episode on that because i think the skill set to like really lead this work should include an ability to facilitate and lead with i don't even like calling it soft skills because i keep saying clinical but that's because my orientation i don't know what else to call it Mm -hmm. and like we need to be able to lead people and lean into that so they can see what they're experiencing and how that might be getting in the way
1: yeah definitely and I think I and this might just be like you said my orientation and my lens and that I'm surrounded by it but I feel like the tides are shifting in people's understanding of like even things like mindfulness there's a growing understanding that being able to be present in the moment and pay attention to what's happening in your body and listen to the signals that your body is sending you and then know how to manage those signals is Mm -hmm. something that we're all starting to recognize and understand. And I think that is a small example of things that is important for people engaging in this work to be able to recognize and do and facilitate. Because when we are talking about things like characteristics of white supremacy. That word supremacy is so charged and things happen in people's bodies when they hear that word that we need to be able to speak to and we need to be able to identify and we need to be able to help regulate in the moment.
0: Absolutely. No, I've I am thinking about several situations in which I have had to work with leaders in very intense moments to Mm. help them regulate. And then after that being like, we need to get you at a place where you're able to self-regulate yourself because this process that you're going through will continue to happen. Mm. You will continue to hear feedback. That's what you want. You want people to be able to share openly with you and it's not going to always feel good. I don't even like hearing feedback as a leader of the work. I don't. It's It's that initial oh no, I want to be doing it all right, but I'm Mm -hmm. not. You gotta get over it. But the ability to self regulate is so important because if you can't, if the feedback can't even get inside and go anywhere afterwards, it's really not. It's really hard to do Mm -hmm. any change from there. Yeah, internally, let alone outside of if you are in charge of leading an organization or running it or leading these types of efforts.
1: Yeah. I think it's so funny because it's like when we think about a lot of organizations and the business setups, it's common practice to have quarterly or annual reviews of performance for employees Mm -hmm. where they are supposed to sit and receive feedback, whether it be good or bad, and take it and respond to it in a way that is polite and palatable, (laughs) and then go and make changes and improve from yeah. what feedback that they were given. And I think yeah. that in an equitable space, being viewed as someone who is coming in either as an expert or a leader or a facilitator of a process, modeling what you is often asked the people who are engaging in this work with you is go like leaps and bounds. Yeah.
0: Yes, <laughs> that's intoxication. I'm just like nodding my head like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." yes, that is so true. Um, I feel like it's going to go on a tangent, but I just want to validate what you're saying, that there is often an expectation of employees in an organization or even like students or Mm -hmm. for non-leadership level staff to have a capacity to do something and to engage in practice that those who have uh, positions that hold more power and privilege really struggle with. So it's, it's really interesting to hear the different levels that we, the standards that we hold people to, it's, it was just interesting. And I, my mind is going to go in a bunch of different places. So I'm going to just stay right here where we're at. Our content for another day. <laughs> I want to talk about how, what a good process is when someone leading these efforts hears feedback. Because we're talking a lot about why it makes sense to not just take the feedback and make it seem like it's all your fault per se. There's just, it's layered. So if we can just really settle, settle. in there and mm-hmm. just explore it, that would be awesome. Definitely. And there's something that comes to mind and I, we have not talked about this ahead of time. If I just gave you some indicators of a situation, mm-hmm. I feel like you would know what I'm talking about. Okay. It was a couple of years ago and it was that situation where we kept hearing feedback and I kept reaching out to you to process, is this real?
1: Like, do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Because yeah. we had moments, yeah, that we would go <laughs> back and forth and have in-depth conversations. And I think that is a good when talking about the process and being a person who is driving the work forward, what you can do when you are hearing feedback, holding feedback, and then trying to figure out what to do with it. I think a big part of it is in the moment when you're receiving the feedback being present not necessarily having to respond to it or having a response for it it is perfectly okay to be in that space and in that moment and be like I hear what you're saying and I am I'm, I'm going to hold that and I'm going to come back to this and just be okay with that and then sit with that feedback and I think also What you're referencing is it's important to have partners in this process, whether it's one sounding board, whether it's several sounding boards, like to be able to process through the information because it's a lot to hold.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. You in particular have been so skilled at helping unpack layers, helping slow down and see What is before you? I remember each time, in a moment, I do what you're saying. Even if it's hard, it took courage, effort, whatever it was. Someone gave feedback, let me hold it. I got the feedback. Sometimes, depending on what it is, I can say something in a moment, but you're right. Sometimes it's like, let me look a little deeper and give a thoughtful response. Or if it's an email or something like that, you still want to take the time to, to chat with someone. But you and I connected, I'm like, all right. I got this feedback. It made me feel whatever the things I felt. I just needed to say all of them. I didn't like it or it upset me or it made me really sad. Whatever it was, you held all the emotions. And oftentimes, if I'm being honest, I don't like it. I don't like hearing feedback. But it's so important to hear it. Yeah. And then I would ask. Sometimes there might be pieces of it that really make sense to me. This is how I'm processing this. And I can actually see me doing xyz in this way does that make sense to you have you seen that and you're very honest i think that part of having someone to talk to or people to talk to is that you choose people who will tell you Mm -hmm. yes that is yours Mm -hmm. or no not that having someone who will tell you yeah and then there are other things where i'm like but this over here like these parts of the feedback don't seem right to me it doesn't yeah and you just were so good at providing the context I couldn't see. When you're someone who hears feedback, it's harder to see all the pieces. Mm -hmm. For me, it's really hard to see all the pieces. So you were like, let's look at where this place is at on their journey. Mm -hmm. What do we know about these parts of the journey? What do we know about these dynamics? You provided this full picture that was, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. That this would be coming up right now.
1: Yeah. And again, you're making great points that people in this journey need to be aware of. You often need to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. When it's like right here in, in front of your face, this is all you see. And oftentimes Absolutely. there's a lot going on around. People are bringing their own experiences, their own stories. Again, I hate to keep harping on it, but their own ways or lack of ways to cope with the information that's coming out. And that look a myriad of ways, but it typically feels chaotic and targeted. So being able to have, like you said, somebody or a couple somebodies that one, you can unpack everything, unpack the entire experience with. And then two, that is going to give you honest feedback. Again, you're practicing that vulnerability that you're asking of people in the spaces that you're going into and you're embodying the process of what it means to really do DEI work on a personal and an organizational level. So yeah, definitely holding it, processing it, unpacking it, getting input and feedback from trusted advisors or colleagues whatever you have around you in your corner really important.
0: Yeah. I'm also really tapped into once you do all of that then we got to mm-hmm. come back. Yeah. There's the part we might own some of it and then there's the part of but this is yours to hold too and the support to come up with like how we approach that is important. And it really matters. There's so many things to consider. Is it, is it a client that you're working with? If it's a consulting client or if it's leaders in an organization, or if there's this perceived or actual privilege power over how do you return back with what is yours and also what might not be yours? Or maybe sometimes it's not yours. How do you go back? And I remember you and I have conversations about coming up with that messaging, game planning together, holding both truths and also holding both opportunities Mm -hmm. to grow from it. And I I know the messaging was always wrapped in really good questions, not necessarily, hey, did you notice this and this, not throwing it back. Mm -hmm. But here are some questions that came up for me or for us that had us wondering what else might be Contributing to this experience. Yep. And the questions usually getting people to think about what else is there? What might I have missed? Mm -hmm. And it helps create a further dialogue instead of pointing back and forth. You take that. No, I take it's not about the thing. Yeah. It's truly continuing the conversation so that both parties or whoever else is involved, but everyone can really understand all the pieces because that is the. That's the real work, too. It's Mm -hmm. not just sharing feedback is a part of DEI work, but the ability to engage in these types of conversations to have a really good understanding of each other and to make changes so that we can better interact with each other is really what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And so as someone leading the work, it's really important to me to model for people what to do in these situations because those situations are applicable everywhere.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that you highlighted maintaining curiosity. Anytime you're going into a situation that is highly charged, being and staying curious puts people at ease because you're in a place and you're coming at it from a, I truly want to understand your experience and how I contributed to it or how I can help expand upon it, process it. And that is so disarming. That is, there's a comfort to that, to know that the person across from you or the person that's facilitating this work with you and is, okay, I heard what you said. Let me make sure I fully understand. I'm curious about, let's get curious together and turn it into a conversation. Like you said, yeah.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I, I like the way that you say that. I often tell people how to have courageous conversations. One of the first things is to name all the stuff. Just what do we have before us? It's uncomfortable. This is how I'm feeling. Just whatever I can do so people know that I'm actually really joined on this experience with them. And it doesn't always feel good. And then the other thing that comes to my mind is when that's the case, while it might not always feel great in a moment, the outcome is something... To me, that has typically been something that the people we could all agree on, at least agree on. This makes sense for us. We can proceed, which is what we really want. We don't all have to have 100% on the same pageness, yeah. but we all know what happened. We all agree about how to move forward. And that doesn't always happen. I remember working with a different agency and... We were getting a lot of feedback about what came out of our needs assessment. And I don't know, I don't know any place that has felt great about the needs mm-hmm. assessment because there's wonderful things that go on in organizations. And then there's just the struggle points. Mm-hmm. And to see the struggle points, it's really hard for leaders to sit with. I understand. However, I have experienced on a couple of occasions where leaders, Will not accept what is being given to them and needs assessment. And I had one really difficult one where I felt in the presence of the leaders, what I was being met with was maybe we just missed something. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just me looking at this data. We had a team of people looking at the video and coding all of the stuff, hearing the narratives. So I just, I really felt challenged because I recalled all these moments that I facilitated and all these meetings that we had get, getting to the data, but they were so certain. When they were certain for many reasons, what they knew about their organization and what staff who participated in it told them. And I just, I felt, let me do my due diligence. Maybe I just missed something. So I went back and I was looking at recordings like, no, no, this is being said in various ways.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: in my reach back out, as thoughtfully as I could, we we were not able to reach a point of understanding. That was my first time with an agency where we both decided to part ways. Now, this was a long process that we went through. We were very committed to showing up and having the conversation. So it wasn't like "f you, I'll never come back." But it was, you know, what I'm standing on. What I know is here. I can understand that this isn't what you're looking for. And in their turn, this isn't what we're looking for, but thank you for what you've given us Mm -hmm. and we just parted ways. But that was my first, wow, okay, we're just not gonna arrive there. But there was nothing that I was able to say to get that leadership team to to believe what their staff were saying. There was nothing
1: Mm -hmm. and it was
0: fascinating.
1: And unfortunately that is the case (laughs) again. Everybody is entering this work at different points on their journey. Everybody has different, they're coming in with different understandings of what DEI is and how they think that it should operate in their organization or their school or their insert lo- location slash group. And when that is the case, you articulated it so beautifully, it's the, a process of feedback unpacking processing staying curious and then if you get to an empath sometimes that's what it is and again a big theme that keeps coming up in our conversation today is that being uncomfortable it isn't cut and dry this work can't get tied up in a pretty bow and handed and it's sometimes we get stuck and it really is they're not at the point where they can do the work they don't have the same understanding of the work as i do and that that is what it is.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's true. All we can really commit to is the conversation and showing up and the modeling. And there's only so much we can do. We cannot force anyone into any situation. But I really believe in the modeling Mm -hmm. of what we're hoping people leading the work will do and people in an organization or department, students, whatever, what we can really engage in and what the work can look like. I'm thinking about... The people who are like, okay, so I heard your example. What are some like, tangible things that I can be thinking about when leading this work in any capacity? What can I be doing? And I should have said this up front, and I think I did, but I also want to be clear that if you are listening to this and you're not someone who is formally leading DEI efforts, this conversation can really help you understand the experiences of people who are. Mm -hmm. because it's not I don't feel like this is a regular job that people can understand the job descriptions are so different and it just holds a lot that is not widely understood yet and so understanding the experiences of people leading this work can help you support those people can help you understand what you might be experiencing instead of looking to to another person as for a reason why things aren't going well. It can hopefully help you pause and see what you're missing. Mm-hmm. So there's just, there's a lot in it for people. Um, and to go back, what are the things that we can share with those leading efforts?
1: Definitely. Yeah, I think if there's nothing else that you take away from this work, if that don't do it alone. Like this work, this is right. not a solo venture. And when I say that, I mean that definitely have someone that you are checking in with, even if it's just to have someone to to share the emotions with you, because you going into this work, going into these spaces, I want to say. That I, and this is me speaking personally, and I would love to hear your input on it too, Charmaine. Every DEI experience that I have had has had some level of emotionality to it that I know early in my journey, I was not anticipating the level of emotionality that came with these discussions and these experiences. Standing where I am now, I come in prepared for it and then am Mm. surprised if it doesn't happen. (laughs) So tangible, like, I definitely think that for yourself, as someone engaging in the work, around the work, supporting someone who's engaging in the work, knowing that there's a level of emotional support that you will either need slash provide. And that looks like listening, that looks like being curious about asking questions to help process an experience that somebody has just led or that you have just participated in so that you are fully clear on what you were feeling, asking questions about what feelings came up for you. Why do you think you felt that? Where could that be coming from? How does that pertain to your own personal journey of growth, your own personal experiences, processing through that, Coming up with questions, like you said, for when you are going back into and processing with your organization, students, insert group to help facilitate the conversation even further. Again, we've used the word before, disarm, better understand, model, modeling that curiosity, modeling that being inclusive, like I'm not going to ask something of you that I am not going to do or flash ask of myself. So those are a couple of tangibles. And then, yeah, just wanted to hear your input. Have you gone into any the experiences that weren't, at least at some level, emotional?
0: Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. No. The tangible thing that we can do isn't necessarily specific to receiving feedback. When you were talking about the emotionality of things, made me think about the importance of Whenever possible, and, and I would really advocate for this, the thinking about doing of nothing or the downtime as part of a workday, mm-hmm. and that being negotiated as the work. I am fortunate to have that in every space that I am in. Mm-hmm. My workday does not consist of meetings and working on projects and just back-to-back things for eight hours. Yeah. My work days include. Necessary, mandatory time to mm-hmm. to decompress or whatever it is. My days include the ability to recharge yeah. because if I don't, it's not a good situation. So there's that. And then the other thing I was thinking about was when working, when leading the work, there's also opportunity to negotiate upfront how you will handle. These points of feedback. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean that you're going to come with a plan and everyone's going to do it perfectly, but at least you're talking about it up front. And mm-hmm. that's not a thing that people practice. But it's like, hey, we're about to embark on something or we're going to continue to embark or we're getting deeper, whatever it is, wherever you're on your journey. There mm-hmm. is an opportunity to convene and actually talk about how you will address these types of situations together. Like how will they work? How Mm -hmm. can I give feedback in a way that is helpful to you? How can I receive feedback? Or what is the best way for me to receive it? What are my needs? If I need to circle back to you and say something that might not feel good, how can we do that? How Mm -hmm. can we hold both perspectives and narratives and experiences as true to just be on the same page that this is not going to be one of those situations where we're just throwing feedback at each other and Mm -hmm. people course correct. Just instantaneously, there is a need to understand what's being said and where it comes from.
1: Yeah,
0: and having that dialogue up front at least communicates that there is an understanding that we will reach this mm-hmm. point, and here's mm-hmm. how we'd like to do it. What are you laughing yeah. at?
1: No, I just it it seems so intuitive, but like you <laughs> said, it is rarely ever done. Nobody likes to be surprise especially when that surprise is attached to negative emotions and as transparent and forthcoming and you've mentioned it before as much as we can name and identify up front for people which is what you were describing in the way of expectations being really clear on what we can anticipate make the experience I don't want to say go better because it is tough It like, it just is tough and it doesn't feel great a lot, but it prepares, it better prepares people to know that, okay, it's gonna, cause it's one thing to be like, this is hard work and this is tough. It's another thing to, to prepare people to be like, okay, these are the type of conversations that we're going to have. We are going to solicit feedback. We are going to provide feedback, really laying out key components of the process and asking people to reflect on Mm. how they want to engage around those different processes Mm. and letting them know how you engage around those different processes. So we're all like you have as much information as you can give on the front end and then because it inevitably will happen even if you prepare people for these conversations and you let them know that feedback is coming and it's not going to feel nice. I always say that I I don't know until I'm in it, right? And I don't know how I'm going to respond until I'm in it. And so then inevitably, even if you prepare them, you're going to get to a point where it actually happens and everything that you've said goes out the window for everybody because we're in our feelings and it don't feel good and we want out. And we we (laughs) want to self-preserve and we want to all of that stuff. But at least you have an anchoring point to go back to, to be like, remember when we had these conversations? Okay, so this is what I was describing. We're going to sit with this. Remember how you said you wanted to get engaged around it? And, you know, you facilitate the process that way.
0: Yeah. Yes. I love that. That makes so, so much sense. Yeah. I'm trying to think of anything else. The only other thing that really comes to mind that is more of just like an add-on to the conversation is that when we give feedback to each other, it is super helpful to think about giving behavior-specific feedback. It helps people. It helps us really understand what it is we're experiencing and what it is that's causing this experience. But it also helps us communicate to the other person what it is that's being done Mm -hmm. to change course if that's necessary but oftentimes when the feedback comes it comes with vagueness it comes with maybe not a fully processed internal understanding of the feedback it just didn't make us feel good so i want to share it didn't make me feel good so change it Mm -hmm. but if i sat and had to come up with behavior specific reasons attached to the feedback, it's going to make me pause and slow down and get very clear. Mm -hmm. And it's going to make me be clear. So when you were talking about, I don't remember what the word you said, but I was thinking about clarity and we don't do that enough. The behavior specific. So when I say behavior specific, I mean, what is the action that's taking place? What is the behavior that you see someone engaging in that's attached to the feedback? So it's Mm -hmm. like when I'm in a meeting and you interrupt me while I'm speaking, Or when we are talking, you talk down to me and you talk down to me when you say these particular words. These are what these words mean to me. Then it's very clear what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. opposed to uh, something that people can't really hold on to. Mm -hmm. Um, So that kind of gets lost. But I think that we should lift up doing that more. We should be super clear, like, you're doing these things. And this is how it's being experienced.
1: That'd be so helpful. I absolutely agree. And I think that you're right. In the EI work, we live in the terms and the ambiguity. And I think it's like being as specific as possible. And and (laughs) it transcending, bringing people with different experiences and different understandings together and then creating a shared understanding You're right, takes very concrete, tangible, understandable examples, which I kind of talked about in the beginning. Being able to get somebody to understand what you were trying to say, oftentimes it takes those specific examples of what I experienced, the behavior, how it made me feel, to get it to click and be like, oh, that's what you mean when... You tell me that like microaggressions occur in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that, those things can be hard to grasp for people who don't experience them the same way mm-hmm. that you do. And I think that's across the board with anything. We walk around with the notion that people will just understand things when we say them. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a, I am work with couples a lot. And that is like a big yeah. part of navigating conflict yeah. in couples is getting them on the same page about something that they may have very well experienced together, but like it hit them completely differently yeah. and just getting them to, to sit down and be like, okay, when you said this, it hit me this way. And the partner taking the time and the space and wanting to show that they are engaged and be like, okay, why did it hit you that way? Yeah. To open up space for the other partner to be like, this is what this word means to me, or this is what this behavior represents to me. And it's yeah. that, that, that information that's often unsaid is very impactful and can change the whole scenario.
0: Yes, 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 yes. The last thing I'll say, and I just I always have this, it's this and that. I also feel like there's a responsibility to say some things that we experience can't always be, can't always be put into the meat and that's okay too because I'm also thinking I think about many situations where I was giving feedback and I'm like it's so hard to describe to, to a person who might not understand if, if there was someone who had similar lived experiences as me they would get it so some stuff you can't quiet do mm-hmm. and that's okay I don't think that I don't think that we're talking about being behavior specific as some sort of like blanket Everybody do it. If you don't, then that doesn't mean that whatever you're experiencing is valid because that's not true at all. Some stuff is very nuanced and hard to describe, and that's okay. But I think that this is just a a call to hold people accountable that can. If you are able to be behavior-specific because we avoid doing that, Mm -hmm. then do that. Don't default to being vague because you want to avoid your own internal Exploration or avoid being clear with whoever you need to be clear with. Yeah. So there's that to think about and balance and all of it too. I
1: was going to say, yeah, I think that that speaks to the processing the feedback that's yours, what's holding what's yeah, yours. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and being okay with being uncomfortable as someone engaging in this work. Yeah. It, it gets uncomfortable, not just for the people that you are facilitating this work or you as well. <laughs> and that that's okay, yeah,
0: yes, all right. well, I think this is there anything else we want to say on this topic before we wrap up?
1: Again, I love this work. I second what you said. This work requires self-care. If you are engaging around this work, please, please, please take care of yourself, whatever that looks like for you, advocate for the space, for the people engaging in the work with you to be able to take care of themselves. Because it often doesn't go well if like you're doing these things, it's emotionally charged. And then immediately after, we're asking people to be present and go back to work. We didn't just have an emotionally charged conversation. So definitely do that. But other than that, I think it was a good combo, And I do hope that people get some takeaways from it. I'm certain.
0: Ola, thank you so much for being here with me and uh, really getting into this. To me, there were some tangible takeaways. like Even being able to just stop and have this conversation with you made me get very clear about what specifically I can do on a regular basis. I think I just do things that I feel in a moment. But this was definitely like, okay, these are real experiences that happen all the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There are these points. There is an importance for us to have people, real people who are going to have the capacity or ability to Mm -hmm. see all the things. There's just so many like nuggets in here and and I really appreciate you for joining. Now, if people want to get in contact with you, how can they do that? What's the best way?
1: Uh, Best way is to either find my profile on LinkedIn. So that's uh, Bola Ruff. And I have my Thriveworks Website also, yep, if you licensed in North Carolina. So if you're looking for a marriage and family therapist, I got you. (laughs) awesome.
0: I will leave your contact info in the description. So if you're listening, please share this with others so that they can learn too. And you can use it as discussion with people in your network, supervisors, groups, teams, whatever that looks like for you. Know that you can visit my website, livingunapologetically.com to connect with me. There's my social media handles are on there. You can contact us directly. There's babies available to you to help you deepen your practice and episodes for the series. And you can have access to buy my book on there, Why is Conscious Leadership or Framework for Leading with Action and Accountability. Other than that, thank you so much for listening. And I hope to connect with you soon. Until next time, bye.